This is Opinionated. I don't really have a full understanding of it, but that won't stop me from having an opinion. That's why we're here. Join Features Editor Ben Schiller and reporters Anna Batakova and Danny Nelson. You know, crypto is no longer just about money. It's about culture now. He owes too much money to everybody around him. Part of politics and part of sports and part of gaming. And it's not just like the future of money anymore. As they push the conversation further with their own criticisms and reactions to the latest Bitcoin and crypto news from around the world. We are manufacturing narratives left, right and center. Here's the Coindesk Grinch. We had the Coindesk Santa last episode and Danny playing Coindesk Grinch. Burn, burn. Anna's dropping some burns to keep her fireplace warm in the winter. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the born king. I just felt like doing a bit of caroling to start this episode. So this is Opinionated. I'm Ben Schiller. This is uh, Danny Nelson. I'm and confused. Is... Are you going to sing along with me, Danny? No. Come on, I bet you've got an excellent Abs- tenor voice. You've got that deep, lovely voice. I'm sure you can. Uh, if I, if I go that deep, then I don't know if I'm ever going to be coming back. So. <laughs> and I'm also here. What, what are they singing in uh, Russia, Anna? What's the version of that? Oh, we have a whole bunch of our songs. But our Christmas is January 7th. Oh, and yeah. the new year is much bigger deal than Christmas. So what do you do so, over Christmas? Do you take it off or you keep working? Some people celebrate like a, just a religious holiday. They go to church and stuff. There is no like special plan for Christmas normally. I, I think oh. most people just don't do anything special. Okay. The new year is something to be looking forward to. So, all right, good. So we're going to talk about cryptocurrency today because this is a CoinDesk podcast and um, <laughs> we can talk about other things, but uh, we're going to talk about crypto. So uh, this is the end of 2021. So it's a traditional time to do a little uh, looking back and a little looking forward. I'm going to ask the group here for their highlights and lowlights of the year and also look forward to next year and predictions. So Anna, uh, what was your uh, highlight of the year and what was your lowlight of the year? My lowlight are going to make many people not happy with me now. My lowlight was the, the whole hype around the NFTs and especially the digital art hype, like the million dollars JPEGs was the most annoying thing for me. But the highlight of this was that it turned out that some people learned how to use this hype uh, to, to do real good, valuable things. There has been a bunch of fundraising campaigns based on NFT sales. And the most inspiring story for me was about the guy who is not in prison, but he's in a correctional facility in Russia. And he's drawing NFTs to, one, earn some more money in addition to his minuscule uh, inmate salary and to help uh, to the nonprofit that helps the families of prison inmates in Russia. When I see use cases like that, I'm like, okay, maybe all this hype is not that useless as, as it seemed to me all the time. So let this be my highlight and my lowlight of this year. Very good. So, so you actually wrote about this guy and we can uh, link to that uh, on the show page. Yep. Uh, Danny, what are your highlights and lowlights? Actually, similar to Anna, I really think that NFTs have to take the top spot because I'm coming to believe that NFTs are going to eclipse the crypto markets and just importance to the wider world if they haven't already. And I, I feel like there's a strong argument to make that they have. Just you think of it in cultural terms. There's no other 
aspect of crypto that has driven brands, musicians, artists into the crypto space like NFTs have. And in a way that's so much more tangible to the millions and honestly billions of people who don't they trade coins or, or invest in DAOs or this or that or the other, because it's like the, the premise is so much cleaner. Okay, how, how do you do ownership in a digital world? NFTs. Even that message isn't really propagating among the people who might be buying these things, but it, it is a lot more tangible than this or that token or social tokens, which is another you know thing that's well positioned to cross over. So I think that NFTs have been the biggest highlight for crypto of the year. And, but then also with that has come you know, the inevitable surge of stuff that is less savory. Don't appreciate it as much. Like this idea that everyone needs to have a profile picture NFT and then you know, 10,000 issuance, maybe there's revenue sharing this, that, the other. None of that is unique to NFTs, the hype around it. But you know, as you see things take off, uh, what is it? Rising tides uh, lift all ships, that kind of thing. So yeah. I, I agree with you about the kind of frothiness of the market and that, that has some undesirable side effects. But I, I think the, the overall trend is, is, is beneficial to everybody with, with this NFT uh, phenomenon. Brought many more people into the industry. It's made it much more broader based phenomenon. People who are not that into Bitcoin are now into NFTs. And I think that's, that's generally a, a good thing. Although I understand what you guys are saying. How about so, you, though, Ben? Thanks for getting to me. I'm actually going to talk about the way in which crypto was taken up by Congress this year. So for years and years, uh, Congress wanted nothing to do with crypto. It basically ignored it and uh, sort of underregulated it and gave it no attention that it deserved. And now this year, it's been taken up as a mainstream issue. And I think that that's going to be good for the industry. On the other hand, I think there is this sort of troubling phenomenon coming along where uh, crypto is becoming more of a partisan issue. Uh, and if you think about the way in which other issues which were bipartisan and how they've now become partisan issues like climate change, for instance, I think we're going to see a similar process with Bitcoin and crypto. And I think you can already see that sort of cleavage with a number of very sort of prominent commentators on the left side of things. And I'm thinking of people like uh, Robert Reich, who's a a professor, actually former Labour secretary, who's now a professor at UC Berkeley, came out with a, an astonishingly nasty, hostile critique of the uh, cryptocurrency industry in his Substack recently. And I thought that was kind of indicative of the way in which uh, the kind of Warren end of the political spectrum is increasingly hostile to this industry, calling it an unregulated casino. So I think we're going to see this kind of clash next year between that, that left-wing group and then the kind of more mainstream group that probably Coindesk is closest to, and certainly the more libertarian wing that is obviously uh, in, in favor of this. So I, I can see, in short, uh, crypto becoming both on a positive side, more of an issue in Congress, but on a negative side, becoming yet another partisan flashpoint amongst uh, many partisan flashpoints. What do you guys think? It, it will be really interesting to see the politics of Bitcoin evolve and how different political forces may, may surprise us with their attitude towards crypto. And I don't even mean just the US, worldwide. I think we might see a lot of surprising takes from politicians and bureaucrats around the world about crypto. And a bunch of countries are at least talking about doing their own digital currencies. So, you know, the successes and failures 
in this field also might show the next year. In the political regard, 2022 might really be the year. The, the year for CBDCs, as they're, as they're known, these essential bank digital currencies. I mean, a lot of people don't think that's really crypto, though. That's not really privately yeah. uh, issued money controlled by a community of people. It's just a, a version of fiat currency. Absolutely. That's not crypto, but that became kind of an inextricable part of, of the whole crypto narrative because many view CBDCs as a healthy, like good alternative to crypto, which is like right. stable and properly regulated and backed. While we all can name a lot of arguments uh, against that, you know, let's see what's going to happen in practice. You know, once people have a CBDC in their country, are they still willing to buy crypto? Are they, are they like excited about that CBDC? Uh, that, that's going to be a lot of interesting observations about that next year. And, you know, even before we get to CBDC, now we have this weird situation in Myanmar where there's kind of a, ba- a battle for power there. but what the shadow government in Myanmar, which has undergone something like, I think, a military coup, is saying that they're recognizing Tether as an official currency for the country. The effectiveness of such a statement from a shadow government is questionable, but just the idea that politicians would say, okay, we're going to recognize a stablecoin as allowing citizens to move value around. It's astonishing, really, because I mean, presumably that shadow government, which is led by Aung San Suu Kyi, the uh, well-known yeah. dissident. I mean, normally groups like that would do anything to get kind of le- legitimacy in the international kind of marketplace of legitimacy. And yet they go for Tether, which is probably the least legitimate crypto project out there. I mean, at least in the kind of top 10 traded cryptos, it's probably the, the, the most shady and shadowy. So maybe it's appropriate that a shadow government goes with a shadowy project, but it, it's not the way that you gain uh, friends and influence people in the world, I would say. If you're here comparing Tether to like more regulated CBDCs that were born under the supervision of the state like USDC or something like that, you need to go through compliance to buy a large amount of those. And who knows if a shadow government can go through that KYC? Sure. But uh, it seems like a strange choice, really. I mean, uh, you know, Tether does not have the greatest reputation despite its place in the market. So to kind of align yourself with that seems like a strange decision to me. Anyway, Danny, what are you going to say? I was just going to say, you know, Tether is in a weird position because it's so shady, but it's also so systemic. So, you know, it's hardly the most dubious of all crypto projects because there are things that are legitimate rug pulls and scams. And I don't think that we uh, we would say that Tether is a scam so much as something that has a lot of unanswered questions around it, you could say, in terms of its importance to the crypto markets overall. There is just no comparable asset service instrument that is this sus. So yes, I would agree with you. It is weird that the shadow government has uh, picked the shadow currency, somewhat poetic, and also completely irrelevant because this is an entity that you know, rightly or wrongly, probably wrongly because military coups are usually a bad thing has recognized it as a, the official currency of a country they don't control. So I think what this does speak to, though, is uh, I think we're going to see a big clash between those CBDCs that, that Anna was talking about and the stablecoin economy. So that there are a lot of people in the US, for instance, who say, well, why do we need a digital dollar when we already have a flourishing market in something like USDC, which is a project uh, run by um, Coinbase and, and Circle, which is a privately issued stablecoin pegged one-to-one for the dollar, 
And a lot of people think, well, why don't we just build a dollar on a blockchain economy around that rather than inventing a whole new digital dollar project, which is going to be issued by a government, which doesn't have the best reputation for technology anyway. Why don't you just use USDC and other projects like it to kind of further American power? That's your job. So I think we're going to see a, a clash between that kind of stablecoin private enterprise group and the more sort of statist type people, uh, you know, represented obviously by China, that say, well, the government should continue to issue money, uh, even if it's digital money. So that would be another prediction from, from me anyway. Talking about predictions, I would chime in with another kind of regulatory prediction. You know, this year was actually the, the year of uh, crypto sanctions as well. For the first time, we saw crypto companies getting sanctioned. And it happened so that the, the both one sanctioned uh, appeared to be in my country. We also see a little bunch of cases where uh, we see how the world of the traditional geopolitics and the world of crypto cross and the sanctions that have been aimed at the real world. They start playing role in the crypto world too. I'm talking, for example, about the Iranian students that have been banned from an Ethereum course for the crypto companies that are providing education and, and actually for any, any company providing education, that might be regarded as a liability if you include people from Iran. And even though there is no like 100% clear language uh, in the law, any recommendations by the government about that, everybody would choose to be on the safe side. And you suddenly see how this borderless, permissionless crypto world that we seemed to be uh, building, you know, it suddenly falls apart into parts, some of which are restricted, some of which are allowed. And right. you need to tread carefully to not, not to violate traditional laws in this new world. So I think that because the cyber attacks and the ransomware is so huge. And I do not think, honestly, that it's going to be less of that stuff in the years yeah. to come. The world is getting just crazier every day. It's not calming down. There probably will be more crypto indictments related to money laundering and more crypto sanctions. Actually, Gervais Greg from Chainalysis, which we had a couple of episodes ago, he said the same, that there will be more indictments and yep. sanctions in crypto probably. And we will see more people caught in this situation where you are not sanctioned yourself, but somebody who is providing service to you is sanctioned and yep. you suddenly end up sanctioned as well, like the users of this crypto app Chatex in Russia right. that just got their crypto frozen. There is no procedure anybody used before to unfreeze their crypto for them. And it's unclear right. what to do. Yeah, I was just thinking about the Virgil Griffith case as well. This is a yeah. guy who went to a conference in North Korea to give a speech and ended up in jail because of it, because of the sanctions we have with that country. And but what does this prove, do you think, Anna? I mean, is this just a case of the United States continuing to play financial policeman and it's not really giving up that role? And maybe we kind of overindulge the idea of crypto being this borderless financial system when it's really not? You mean the Virgil Griffith case or the whole thing about the, the sanctions well, the, and crypto? The, the, the way in which, uh, as, you, as you say, that there's, there's still a lot of sanctions enforcement in the crypto arena when we might expect crypto to be above and beyond that regime. Well, that's probably the, the same rude awakening 
that happened to people after the ICO boom. You know, everybody thought that crypto is just beyond any known regulation. And it appeared that no, it's not. Even though you, you haven't been issuing traditional securities, your token appeared to be a security is just the same. And with the sanctions too, you know, the, the companies consist of physical people and like legal entities and none of them want to run afoul of, of the U.S. government. So it's very logical for them to exercise caution, probably will be the case in the future. The question of effectiveness of these sanctions, again, is another story, because the more we watch the modern world and the modern politics, we see that drug regimes are pretty willing to, to serve their own people to death if they need to. And the sanctions can just help them with it, not prevent them from doing this. Danny, can we ask you about the markets? Because you're, you're quite closely following those. What are you expecting to see next year? Are we going to see uh, Bitcoin at uh, 1 million? Me following the markets. I mean, I, I know that sometimes number go up and number go down. I don't even know where we are right now. But uh, I have a friend who's a, he is a self-described Bitcoin trader. He is all in cash right now. He thinks we haven't hit the bottom yet. He's waiting till we get to the bottom so he can jump back in. I would say that none of that is financial advice. In the short term, uh, an associate of mine who is uh, who's very plugged into the markets thinks that we're going lower. Next year, I mean, I think that we're probably going to putter along. We're probably going to see new highs at some point in the year. I really don't know, though. Well, that What's was your-, your opportunity to be one of those guys, Danny. One of those guys like stocking it up, pumping it up and saying it's going to go to some price that you uh, got no idea about. Seeing what I've seen this last year, I... I think that the, what we all deserve is for it all to, to go to zero. I think it's pretty clear that we don't deserve this wealth. Here's the Coindesk Grinch. We, we had the Coindesk Santa last episode, and Danny, Danny is playing Coindesk Grinch. Just throwing coal at the children. What about your <laughs> predictions, though, Danny? My predictions? I think NFTs were, were just getting started with their mainstream explosion. You ain't seen nothing yet. We're going to see these big trends that kind of are crypto adjacent and intersect like the metaverse continue to develop as Facebook pours more cash in. And we're going to start to see how, I don't know if it's next year or the years following, we're going to see how crypto actually does or doesn't earn a place in that world. And also how the crypto native platforms that already were trying to accomplish that with to varying degrees of success or, or lack of success might be. You mean accurate. like a Decentraland or like Sandbox? Decentraland. I mean, I, I, no. I don't know if you've ever actually tried to use Decentraland. It's not the most engaging uh, gameplay, I guess you could say. It is a beta and it very much remains a beta for the time being, which is, you know, it's an admirable project and I'm excited to see how it develops. It's actually owned by uh, the same company that owns Coindesk. So in some ways we're all, we're already living in this uh, Decentraland. Danny. It makes you wonder if it's fully decentralized, but that's a, the debate. There's, there's no end to that debate. I, I'm looking forward to touching on that, the idea of the metaverse and, and NFTs. I'm looking forward to when NFTs represent actual things in the world. And when we, you know, and I think that's going to be a huge phenomenon. And people talked about this for a long, long time. And people like Vinay Gupta and his Materium project, this idea of taking objects like, I don't know, a pair of glasses or a car and putting it on a blockchain so it can be tokenized and even fractionalized by people. That's going to have tremendous kind of ramifications for the world, both good and bad. And I think, you know, it's basically porting 
the marketplace into every activity of the world and, and putting a price on everything, which is going to be interesting from a trading point of view, but maybe a nightmare uh, for our brains. Wait, why would you want to tokenize your glasses, Ben? Well, I was, I was just trying to give an example of something that's, that's kind of animate and how you can make it inanimate on a blockchain. And I wouldn't put my glasses on because they're old and, and cloudy, but they're just a, an example of a <laughs> random object. Sorry. <laughs> no, I liked it. I liked it. I don't know if I would invest in, in glasses token. No, no, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't. I would invest in you guys, though. So I'm not tokenizing myself for one. <laughs> you can you can do that now. You can get a social token. I, I'm not going yeah. to. <laughs> you have to tattoo the barcode onto your skin, which, oh, my God, that sounds dystopian. Yeah. <laughs> sounds, sounds sci-fi. Any more predictions, guys? Uh, Another know. COVID wave? We're never going to end. I'm long COVID, unfortunately. And all the impact that it has been bringing to crypto is probably going to stay. But it's been positive for crypto. Yeah, it's been positive for crypto, for sure, I would say. Yeah, and let's, let's see how it goes further. But I'd rather not have COVID. If COVID's big plus was just boost crypto, I think we all can agree that we would have rather just not have had COVID. Agree. All right, so this has been uh, fun. Thanks for coming on and doing the predictions, guys. I think we've got a big year ahead uh, full of fascinating things to report on. Thanks for being on the show and Happy New Year to all of our listeners. And I'm going to do a bit more singing now. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Oh, I can't remember the rest of it, but that's my favorite one. Uh, Hark the herald angels sing. We're going to tokenize Ben singing. That's yeah, what we're going to do. do that. Oh, no. All right, oh, this no. has been Opinionated. Oh, no. uh, I'm, I'm Ben. It was Anna and it was Danny. And thank you to Michelle Musso, who's our very excellent producer as well. Happy New Year to you, Michelle. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thanks and see you in uh, 2022, guys. Bye. Bye. Happy New Year. You've been listening to Opinionated with Ben Schiller, Anna Badakova, and Danny Nelson. Today's show is produced, announced, and edited by Michelle Musso. Our holiday theme music is by Hill and Dresden. We would love to hear from you, so please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And from all of us at Opinionated, happy holidays and thanks for listening.